And soon all those around can warm up to its glowing. That's how it is with God's love. Once you've experienced it, you spread his love to everyone. You want to pass it on. What a wondrous time is spring when all the trees are budding. The birds begin to sing, the flowers start their blooming. That's how it is with God's love. Once you've experienced it, you want to sing. It's fresh like spring. You want to pass it on. I wish for you, my friend, this happiness that I found. You can depend on him, it matters not where you're bound. I'll shout it from the mountaintop, I want the world to know the Lord of love has come to me, I want to pass it on. I'll shout it from the mountain top. I want the world to know the Lord of love has come to me. I want to pass it on. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our first reading is from the 65th Psalm, verses 1 to 4. Praise is due to you, O God in Zion, and to you shall vows be performed. O you who answer prayer, to you all, sh to you all flesh shall come. When deeds of iniquity overwhelm us, you forgive our transgressions. Happy are those whom you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. Our second reading is from James, chapter 4, verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. This is God's word to God's people. Thanks be to God.
in. People are at home when their hearts connect with hearts of others. We who love God and know that God loves us are already home. Our hearts are joined. This is a quote that I found within a book entitled Just Imagine by Diane Salter. And it spoke to me about what today is about. It's about finding rest in God's hospitality. Over the course of the last few weeks, we've started a sermon series about setting a course for a better life. And over the course of several weeks, we'll be talking about five areas of our faith life and discipleship that will help us grow into who God is challenging us to be. Last week, Pastor Walt talked about the theology of hospitality. And I loved that he started back at Genesis, talking about how scripture says, let us, as creation was being established. And it got me thinking. It got me thinking about a book that landed on my desk probably about 12 or 13 years ago, in which it gives a picture of what the Trinity might be like. And what I loved about it is, is that there was a fluidity between the realities of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, sustainer or creator, redeemer, sustainer, Papa, Jesus, Sarayu, whatever names you give to God and understand God by, it gave an understanding, gave a fluidity between the realities and identities of the same God, that confusing three and one, one and three trinity that can befuddle us at times, but also challenge us. The things that I loved about the book is that it illustrated the Trinity with such affection, love, and support, teasing the humanity of Jesus as he drops sauce on the ground, the loving way in which Jesus then cleans up the mess in which he made, and the appreciation for the variety of ways in which each individual aspect of God cares for Mac and all of their children. Some of you may have figured out what book I'm talking about, and some of you are still scratching your head going, what is Rachel talking about? Um, the book that I'm referencing is entitled The Shack by William Paul Young. It was released in 2007, and it came across my desk because members of my church were reading it, and they said, Rachel, you have to read this. And I said, okay, well, you clearly want me to read it. You've asked me to. You want to have a conversation about it. Let's sit down and have a conversation. And I will tell you right now that this book can sometimes be polarizing. People either love it or hate it, and that, that's the truth of it. But I really appreciate the fact because it's a primer for those who don't really plan to sit down and pick up a theology book and read the nuances of words like theodicy or eschatology, but want to have a conversation about how they interact God on a, with God on a day-to-day -day basis. The Shack was written by Young when he was trying to articulate to his children his understanding of God and how God works in his life. And as he did it, his family said, this is something that you really need to share, Dad. And it continued, and it continued. Um, the, the book, it was self-published. It caught, it caught notoriety, and then it even became a movie a couple of years ago. So some of you may have seen the movie. Some of you have may, may have read the book. Some of you are sitting here going, this is the first time I've heard about it, and that's okay too. 
within this book, as I said, it's a primer for those that won't pick up a theology book. It talks about grief and loss, the Trinity, like I outlined before, why bad things happen to good people, it talks about judgment and wrath. It also talks about God's fondness for all people. There's one point where, where Papa is talking with the main character, and, the, and Papa says, I'm particularly fond of that one, talking about an artist that creates music. And the main character looks back at Papa and says, is there anyone that you're not particularly fond of? And God says, I haven't found one yet. And I think that that's just a beautiful reality of God's presence and our belovedness as God's children. So to give you a little background on the book, the book is about a man named Mackenzie who is struggling with his relationship with God. Uh, he would have said that his relationship with God was wide. He held God at arm's length and didn't really want much to do with God. But he was married to someone named Nan who had great intimacy with God. Her faith was deep. She knew God very well to the point that she affectionately referred to God as Papa. In her prayers, in her conversations with her kids, the kids have picked up on calling God Papa as well because of the fact that there was such a deep intimacy there. Part of Mac's reluctance to be in relationship with God came from a deep sadness in their lives. That deep sadness came from the, the loss of their daughter um, while they were on a camping trip. She was abducted and stolen away. And that was, as far as Mac was concerned, the final nail in, his, in the coffin with his relationship with God. And he was angry, he was upset, he was sad beyond belief, and the grief was overwhelming him. One day his family was out of town and they lived in a place where it snowed, so he, he was out doing his, his task of cleaning up the yard and, and clearing the driveway, and he realized that there was some mail in his mailbox. When he got to the mail, mailbox, it was a letter, and it said this, Mackenzie, it's been a while. I've missed you. I'll be at the shack next weekend if you want to get together. Papa. It would be lovely if we all got letters in the mail from God that said clearly, let's get together on this day at this time and we'll sit down and have a great conversation. But God doesn't usually reach out to us like that. That's the nice thing about a work of fiction. They, they, they can do things that make it more tangible. But I do think that God reaches out to us in a variety of ways. The fact that the shack showed up on my desk and my friend said, let's read it, opened a door to a conversation that I would not have been able to have otherwise. I will share with you in a little while another book that showed up on, under the Christmas tree that I thought was God again reaching out to me and saying, hey, Rachel, I'm nudging you right now. Pay attention to this. Let's talk. God reaches out to all of us, whether we've strayed far from God or whether we're still on a journey. God is always saying, we can go deeper. Our relationship can be better. I hope that you will truly rest in my love and grace and support. And you know that no mistake that you make will separate us from each other. God is always, always goes looking for us, always invites us in. That's what God's hospitality is all about. And when we think about the theology of hospitality, we have to start from the fact that God 
actively seeks us day in and day out to be in relationship, to be better connected. This all reminds me of my favorite chapter of the Bible, Luke 15. Some of you are nodding your head, so you know where I'm going with this. And this is a story that kind of increases in intensity because in Luke 15, it starts out with the story, Jesus telling parables. And the story that he starts with is the parable of the lost sheep. The shepherd knows he has a hundred sheep, recognizes that one is missing. He leaves the 99 to tend to themselves so that he can go find the one that is missing. It continues and it, it, it increases in, in drama or number because then it, Jesus tells the parable of the lost coins. And instead of it being one out of a hundred, it's one out of 10 that are lost. A more significant number that are missing and that, are, that, that is needed to be found. And the woman who is cleaning her house stops everything and goes on the hunt for the lost coin. I always like to use those stories as something that says we can be lost out in the world or we can be lost while we're sitting here in worship, but God goes searching for us regardless of where we are. The story continues and takes one step further. I almost want to do a call and response and ask you guys if you know what the next story is. Um, Peggy does. She's like, yes, I want to tell you. It's the prodigal son. It's the story of the prodigal son and how a son has said to his father, dad, you know, I want to go off and do my own thing. If you'll just give me my inheritance, I would really appreciate it so that I can go live in the world. And the father amazingly does exactly what the son asks for. He gives him his inheritance and sends him on his way. And the son goes off and lives his life, squanders all of his money to the point that he is living in pretty dire situations. He's gotten to the point that he's not eating just basic foods, but he's eating the leftover food that the pigs were being fed. And he says, you know, I recognize that my father each and every time treats his servants better than the way that I'm living right now. Maybe, just maybe, if I go back to my dad, maybe he'll allow me to work and just get that basic support and kindness that he gave to everyone. And I love this story because it doesn't just say that the father takes him back and accepts him in and says, yes, you can work in my field and I'll make sure you get the basics. The father in that story goes running down the path when he sees him, embraces him, and welcomes him back, puts new clothes on him, puts new shoes on his feet, puts a ring on his finger, and says, let's have a party. Because God so wanted to be in a relationship. Now, any of us who have sent our kids on their path to live their lives and know that sometimes they make choices that we don't agree with, you know the reality of celebrating when they come back. And our God celebrates and wants to set a feast for us when we come back and say, I'm going to choose to live with you. As I was 
researching this, I came across something that I had never seen before. And it talks about the things that the father did as reference to the Old Testament. That in putting robes on him, it symbolized salvation and righteousness. When he put the rings on his son's finger, it was claiming him as family. And when he put the sandals on his feet, it was to help him walk rightly. Our God always welcomes and receives us offers us salvation and righteousness, new life, claims us as God's own, and then says, I'm not going to leave you here, but I'm going to send you out in such a way that you are prepared for what comes next. And for that, we have to give thanks. At the nine o'clock service, I shared a little bit about the runaway bunny This is a story that I I read to Mark and Maya upon occasion. Some of you may have read it to your children or grandchildren. It's a story about a little bunny who has said to his mom, Mom, I'm going to run away. And each and every time that child declares some place he's going to run to, I'm going to be a fish in the stream. Well, if you're a fish in the stream, I'm going to be a fisherman who comes looking for you. Well, then I'm going to be a rock on top of the giant, most giant mountain. If you're a rock on top of the most giant mountain, I'm going to be a rock climber who comes to be and sit with you. Well, then I'm going to be a tree. Okay, well, if you're a tree, I will be a bird that comes and rests in your branches. At a certain point, the child says, you know, maybe I should just be a bunny and live with you. And while we talk about that being the mother's love, that's also our God's love for us. Our God reaches out to us time and again and says there's no place that God's love won't follow. There's nothing that is too risky to keep God away from us. God just wants us home. God wants to be in relationship with us. God is reaching out, drawing us closer, inviting us deeper, regardless of where we are on our journey. There was a devotional put out by the United Methodist Church a few years ago, and one of the entries was by a woman named Cheryl Summers Ingersoll, and she says this, Jesus knows us, the good and the bad, the gracious and the petty, the lovely and the ugly, the hopes and the fears, the achievements and the failures, the whole truth of our beings. He knows us completely and still promises us a relationship with him and thereby with the Father that is imperishable. Jesus assures us that when we believe When we give our hearts to him, we will recognize his voice so that we can follow. And as we believe and hear and follow, we enter into life in his name. When we believe and hear and follow, we enter into life in his name. Praise be that we have a God that wants to be in relationship with us and sets such a hospitable feast for us that we want to continue to grow. As I said, there, there are times where God nudges you. This book happened to come to me under the Christmas tree this year. It's called Just Imagine, and here the subtitle, The Joy of God's Hospitality Overflowing with Loving Relationships. 
I received this book from my parents, who did not know what our sermon series was about, but knew that a friend of theirs that they had met while they were in Mississippi doing Katrina Rebuild had just written a book. A deacon in the United Methodist Church named Diane S. Salter uh, wrote this book, and in communication, my parents said, I think every member of our family needs this. And I opened it up, and I said, I think I need to read this before we get to January. <laughs> I read most of it before we got through January. That counts, right? Um, but it, it has been a blessing to read and to see how God continues to reach out. It's not, as, as I said before, it's not just if we've strayed, but God is always continuing to say, here's a little bit more you can do. Here's a little bit more that you can explore. Here's a place that you can go deeper and that we can explore something new together. As I was reading Salter's book, she reminded me time and again the places in the Psalms that talk about drawing closer to God. Uh, I love when David reads scripture. There's something about his accent that just makes me all happy to hear the passage. And the passage that he read from Psalm was beautiful. And then I looked it up and read it in the message. And I want to share that with you. Silence is praise to you, Zion dwelling God, and also obedience. You hear the prayer in it all. We all arrive at your doorstep sooner or later, loaded with guilt. Our sins too much for us, but you get rid of them once and for all. Blessed are the chosen. Blessed the guest at, at home in your place. We all arrive at God's foot's or doorstep sooner or later. And how great is it that we have a God who not only welcomes us in, but prepares us and gets us ready, relieves us of the baggage that we're carrying so that we can truly rest in God's presence. Another psalm that I was reminded of was Psalm 27. And from the New Living Translation, a couple verses read like this. The one thing I ask the Lord, the thing I seek the most, is to live in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life, delighting in God's perfections and meditating in his temple. For God will conceal me when there are troubles. God will hide me in God's sanctuary. God will place me out of reach on a high rock. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk to me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Uh, I pray that each one of us hears God's invitation to come and talk and to respond in such a way. To respond and say, Lord, I am coming. Our Lord is inviting us <clears throat> to draw closer, to learn the depth of love that God has for us and the feast that God has prepared for us, offering hospitality, offering invitation, offering healing and new life. I hope and pray that we let God's hospitality move within each and every one of us and that we respond in kind, that we recognize that the Lord of love comes to each and every one of us and that we too want to pass it on. Amen.